0: Hey guys, it's Zach here. Before we start the show, just something to bear in mind while listening to the episode. Since the time of recording, Demisto has now evolved into Cortex XSO, maintaining their existing portfolio but expanding their native threat Intel management offering. Hope you enjoy the show. <laughs>
1: As we evolve as organisations, as we go into new paths of doing business, then what I'd expect to see immediately from a security point of view, but more from an operations point of view moving forward, is sort of underpinning all of that and allowing that automation of process to happen.
0: Hello and welcome to Explain It, brought to you by Softcat, the show for IT professionals by IT professionals that aims to simplify the complex and often overcomplicated bits of enterprise IT without compromising on the detail. Welcome back to another episode of Explain It. I'm your host, Zach Abbott, and over the next 30-ish minutes, I'll be challenging our panel of experts to take a different area of the IT ecosystem and, of course, explain it. In this episode, we're talking about SOAR technology, what it is, why an organization should care about it, and what is its future. Joining me today to discuss this is Adam Luca, SoftCats Chief Technologist for Cybersecurity, and Matt Rhodes, Senior Channel Manager for DeMisto at Palo Alto Networks. Matt, Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, now, before we get into the techie bit, it is time for the most important question you'll be asked today. I have one free space on my playlist for a song. What song should I add and why? Adam. So for me,
2: hopeless romantic, temper tram, sweet disposition, because oh, it was nice. my first
1: dance song at my wedding to my wife.
0: Cute. cute. Winning some points there as well. 100%. She'll I hope you'll be you're able, able to listen to it. Yeah, nice. And Matt?
1: So for me, it's got to be the the staple song "Good as Gold" by Beautiful South, with the lyrics "Got enough money for one more beer, so carry on regardless."
0: Nice. Okay, I'm going to add purely because I love it as well. Actually, uh, "Sweet Disposition." One point to Adam. Uh, Thanks for playing, guys. Now let's take a look at Saw Technology. So, Adam, what are Saw Technologies?
2: So, SOAR itself stands for security orchestration, automation, and response. So, it's any group of technologies that allows you to take the vast multitude of IT security solutions that you will have in your environment, take certain inputs from them, and based upon a a script, based upon a set of actions, to perform some sort of outcome. So, typically, what these tools are used for is they're used to automate certain repeatable tasks within your IT security infrastructure. All right, and why
0: does it exist?
2: So when we think about the vast number of IT security products that we've got out there, the reality of it is that most of them don't integrate together. Even the ones by the same vendors typically don't even integrate together. They're built on different platforms, they have different data architectures, they have different control layers. And really, what the SOAR platforms attempts to do is bridge the gap between all these different parts of your technology to allow them to work towards a single common goal. And I think that's what makes this technology area so interesting and so unique is that unlike a lot of other areas that are just Trying to do one particular part of the ecosystem. What this is really about is about bringing everything together, and about gluing it together so that your stuff works in harmony rather than what works against each other.
1: I think as well. Um, one thing we're absolutely seeing from a from a customer landspa- landscape perspective with Saw is that we're not talking about the most complicated tasks out there that security operations or operations teams are doing today. We're actually looking at the very basic tasks that are very time consuming. And we're automating that part, which is probably 90% of, of what an operations team is doing today is the small, manual, repetitive tasks, rather than looking at those complicated tasks in, in the first instance.
2: Right. So Matt, I guess it's all about driving those high value activities versus those run rate stuff that doesn't have a lot of value, but it needs to be done still, really.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's moving your humans, your security analysts that you've paid probably very good money for to do the jobs that they're not getting around to doing today, the threat hunting of this world, the really serious and proactive-based security, and removing away from the reactive nature of security, which is generally what they're having to do today because of the volume. And Matt, I guess one of the
2: things we see very regularly is the key challenges the retention and attraction of cybersecurity talent. I guess by using these types of technologies, it reduces those boring tasks away from them, gives them more time to train, gives them more time to actually work on the interesting end of it.
1: Absolutely. So the the turnover within the security analyst world is is around two years. And bearing in mind, it takes around six months to get people up to training. The actual um, return that you get from those security analysts can be limited at times. And they're moving on because... They started a job or they come into the security analyst world because they wanted to do things like threat hunting, like the cool stuff that comes as part of that job. But actually they're doing repetitive manual boring work. So they're moving on to whether it be the big banks or some other organizations that can offer them that as well as retention. It also means if you're having a sore technology or you've invested in a saw technology, actually recruitment becomes a lot easier as well because you don't need as many security analysts out there because it is a very small market. It's a very small pool of people. But if you're automating a lot of your Your tasks, then your recruitment becomes less because you've now got probably the right number of people to do what you need to do by just automating a lot of the processes.
2: Does that mean that I should only look at SOAR if I've already got a SOC?
1: Not necessarily. So if if you've got SOC already, then then obviously the, the benefits and the and the processes that you can automate are going to be very clear and the ROI is going to be very quick. However, all types of organizations, no matter what size, will have problems when it comes to security alerts. So if they have current processes around phishing or, or current processes around how they deal with alerts, say, coming out of the SIM, they don't have to be a large organization. They don't have to have a SOC to have those processes in place, but they'll still be having the same challenges as some of the larger companies, larger organizations, because they are having that alert fatigue because they may have only one or two members of staff rather than 10 or 20 members of staff.
0: Do you want to quickly just explain what a SOC is for people that might not necessarily yeah. know?
2: So a SOC is a security operations center and is where your, typically your security staff would work. They're also known as the blue team. So they're there to defend the organization. They'll typically deliver a number of key functions. So they'll deliver the, the log management. So they're looking for threats. They'll deliver threat hunting. They'll also deliver instant response. So managing when something goes wrong, making sure that the triaging and working through security instance takes place. And they'll also, often be dealing with things like vulnerability management. So both the, the, the detection of vulnerabilities and systems, but also managing that patching process and, and keep holding uh, operations teams to account. So they're a really key part of um, delivering your cybersecurity strategy will be delivering some of those functions of a SOC. Interestingly, depending on the size of the organization, you might choose to have that internally, um, run it as a hybrid. So that's where you would keep certain tasks in-house and others outsourced, or you might choose to go to a fully outsourced model. But for me, it's a real sign of maturity as an organization grows their cybersecurity capabilities is when they reach
0: that point where they feel that actually we need a SOC because we need that full time management of this problem. Sure. And with the SOAR technologies themselves, is, is this a recent development or is it an amalgamation of technologies that we've had for a while? How's it evolved? That sort of thing.
2: I think it's quite interesting. My, my personal view on this is it's something that's really grown out of the sort of RPA and automation sort of realms, really. I think RPA, so robotic process automation, is something we've talked about for a little while now. But essentially, it's that idea that automation is for everyone. So everyone, if we're doing something more than once, we should probably automate it. But this is just the application of those technologies with a security slant on it. So for me, it's an evolution of an existing technology. I'm not sure, Matt, whether you've got an opinion on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that the process element of Saw. Soar- automating certain security actions is not new. People have been scripting, people have been doing homebrew stuff for many, many years now. Um, But obviously that takes time, that takes certain type of people, that takes certain type of expertise. We've got now to a point within cybersecurity that we need a lot of that work to be done for us because the amounts of alerts, the amounts of events we need to do much more than just single processes when it comes to automation. Um, so the, the whole saw market has kind of exploded over the last couple of years because we've reached a tipping point that we need more of a platform-led approach across a number of different use cases rather than just singular ones. But also from a technology perspective, there's now technology partners out there that are delivering this in a very manageable um, perspective so before like I say it was homebrew it was down to coding whereas now you're getting vendors that will deliver all of that coding kind of as a service and um, so then you can take those technologies and you can deploy that and deliver that how you wish within your own environment
2: for me it feels like that evolution of do you remember a couple of years back uh, everyone was like hey it's got an api as if like somehow that would magically fix all your problems. It's like, oh, it's got an API, you'll do whatever you want, which was basically the answer, which was, hey, you probably need to finish programming this because we couldn't be bothered. Whereas the saw kind of bridges that gap because it it allows you to not be an expert coder, but build if then that to say, well, if this thing does that thing, then do this other action, which is something that you don't, you could be an IT generalist to get that result versus the very specialized skills you were talking about, about actually, you know, writing your own scripts and really understanding it in a much deeper level.
0: Would you say uh, SawTech sort of eliminates the need for solutions like seam solutions and things like that? Or does it work alongside? So
2: 100% works alongside seam. Saw doesn't work on its own. It It is only the gluey bit. Um, so, without any good inputs from a seam from a firewall, from antivirus from whatever, and without anywhere to send the output to it's pretty useless. you know it doesn't have a lot of intrinsic value on its own. Its value is really to bring your products together
1: yeah, and probably to add to that is is we we come across that question a lot as domisto is w- will this replace my sim is so long term going to replace sim and And the answer is no um, and it very much d- also depends on the customer because a lot of people will buy a SIM technology as that big data log dump for compliance reasons however you then need to add a hell of a lot of context to that type of data in order to get out of it what you need to get out of it so that's exactly where saw comes in And as adam says it sits over the top it takes that information it takes that data it takes the events coming out of that technology and it starts actioning that it starts responding to those events because at the minute that that is being left to security analysts to first of all understand what's going on and then second of all hopefully have the time and the ability to be able to respond to it
0: Okay, so we talked a little bit about what SOAR is, but for an organization, why would they consider it or why should they consider SOAR? Probably two key reasons.
2: One, you're looking to increase the number of actions that your SOC or your analyst can perform. So that's increasing the rate of flow. So every day, you know, there's only so many hours in the day, let's make sure the analysts are working on the high value activities. So that's the sort of the obvious one on the first bit. The second bit for me is Actually, I think almost the more powerful end of this is the standardization of approach that you can perform. So one of the great things about robots is they do the same thing again and again and again. One of the great things about humans is they're creative and they do things differently and it allows us to grow and do all this interesting stuff. We're really bad at following process. You know, even the most process-orientated of us will at some point not follow it to the letter. So by having a saw technology, it allows us to define exactly how we want the machine to act every time. So we capture the same information, we gather the same details, we act in the same way. So as an IT professional, it means that I can come back at the end of the year knowing that every single incident that I've had of that single type has been managed in exactly the same way, that the data has been captured in the same way. So when I do my analysis, I know that no mistakes have been made, that the process has been followed every time. And it also means that if I want to change how I respond to something, I make one change centrally, knowing that that new uh, approach, that new technique, that new uh, pathway or that new procedure will be instantly performed and it will be performed that way every time. When you think about trying to t- train a team to change the way they work, you're not going to just do one training session and everyone's going to suddenly change how they do it. So it's that instantaneous response to the way you approach a problem.
1: I think, as as well as that, as well as well as the um, the structure, as well as the process that, that Adam spoke about. Then the actual speed of the um, the response, as well, is very key. What we're seeing is more and more alerts are hitting security operations on a daily, weekly, weekly basis. Thousands a week of alerts that these security analysts are having to deal with now. First of all, you need to automate a lot of that out because probably 99% of those alerts don't really need too much inf- investigation, but there may be a false positive, there may be a duplicate, it may be phishing, it may be something similar to that that can be completely automated out. So first of all, you're getting your security analysts working on the alerts that are probably the most important or potentially the ones that that could lead to a breach. Um, so first of all, it's kind of narrowing narrowing down the focus. And and second of all, if we're able to remove The manual processes out of those investigations, then suddenly a response of four to five hours may turn into a response of four to five minutes, which suddenly means that if there is a breach active within your environment and you're responding to it and removing that threat within four to five minutes rather than four to five hours, then the risk for the business is considerably reduced.
0: You have your security solutions in place. How easy is it to integrate uh, SOAR technology into that?
2: The standard consultant answer is it depends. But the truth of it is relatively easy in most scenarios. So if your solution is common, if it's widely deployed, if it has an API already, it's likely that an integration will already exist. And one of the key things, a SoftCap cap we would tell customers to look at when they're assessing this market is look at the integrations that exist from the technology you're looking at. Um, One of the things that makes this technology a lot easier is if you buy a solution that's already got all your solutions integrated into it. You know, you've not got to write any of your own code. You've not got to do that integration yourself. So when you're assessing this market, make sure you bring a list of all the tech you've got. And say, hey, Mr. Solvender, do you do all of these different pieces of tech? If they say yes, then brilliant. Um, that's going to make your integration a lot easier. That being said, though, if you're not on the list, it doesn't mean you're out of the party. It just means that there is going to be some additional work required to integrate that technology.
1: Yeah, Adam's absolutely correct. Um, The good sole vendors out there have um, hundreds of vendor integrations with all the popular ones down to probably some of of the bespoke ones that organizations have as well. However, outside of how easy the integration is, is how easy actually is the operationalization of it. And that comes down to understanding the use cases. So we, we get a lot of customers come to us and ask what they should integrate into their saw technologies and the simple answer is well you can integrate a lot of things into it it depends what you want out of the back of it are you trying to automate your phishing process are you trying to automate what's coming out of your edr solution it very much depends on the use case that we're trying to automate will depend on what it is that we need to integrate with it because not every system needs to be integrated with a saw if that's not part of the use cases that you're trying to automate
2: Yeah. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? Getting people to take it back up a level, get it out of the tech into what are you trying to actually do? And it's amazing how quickly that question becomes very difficult to answer. So I think we've spent a lot of time often investing in new tech without actually looking at the threat models, without actually looking at your incidents. One of the things you could try doing is looking back over the last 12 months and doing a bit of a meta analysis on all your incidents to say, well, what am I actually seeing happen? What's happening repeatedly? And that might start to lead you towards some good use cases out of the box.
1: And and that's absolutely the the way we should be speaking with with customers, and the way customers should be looking at it, so they can understand the benefits that they're going to get out of it. Because if if we can kind of go there and we can understand their processes and we can understand what's taking their security analyst time, and we can remove that or at least reduce that, then suddenly you're saving them cold hard security analyst hours, and um, which is very very easy to justify as then as how that's going to be a benefit to their business, which is a nice change for security. Exactly, yeah.
2: ROI. Who would have ROI, it? ROI. <laughs> Security. You heard it here first. Rather than it's just better.
0: Okay, so we've talked a lot about advantages of, of saw technologies. Are there any disadvantages we should be aware of? So one of the things you do have to be careful with, as with all automation
2: technologies, is that if the automation is either incorrectly set up or for some reason receives a parameter that nobody anticipated, actually you could have your saw technology go rogue. So actually it could start to take actions that maybe you hadn't anticipated that could have large impact on the environment. So making sure that you manage the boundaries in which your saw can act so that could be the number of machines that it can impact in a single um, in a single action without some human interaction it might be keeping some uh, activities locked out without having some human approval so you might be happy for it to maybe uh, lock a machine off of the network, but you're not happy for it to wipe a machine without um, having a human interact with that. You might be happy for it to take an action on one machine, but not a thousand machines, or it might be allowed to do it on all of these low-level systems, but not this gold-tier application that needs to be run 24 by 7.
0: Okay, so would you say there are specific markets or organisations that SOAR is extremely applicable to, or is it something that is just generally a good idea for everyone? So,
1: if we kind of look at this from a from a security landscape, then then obviously the bigger security teams will will see a quicker and a bigger ROI from a from a source technology. So, if they have SOC types of um, environments or if they have security operations teams, then then absolutely they're going to see an ROI of that because they have those processes, they have those people they're, they're dealing with these challenges day in day out. So. I wouldn't say there's a specific market in terms of verticals, because if you are at a size that you are having an alert problem, you are having a people problem, you are having an efficiency problem, it doesn't matter what sector you're working in. This will go across the board. Like I say, moving forward, I think there'll absolutely be a play for that smaller and and some of our managed service providers like Softcat can help us explore on how we can target that smaller end of the market, the 100, 200 seats. But yeah, right now the focus is kind of mid-enterprise upwards.
2: I think interestingly, the market segment really depends on how you get your money signed off. So as Matt said, the obvious choice for these technologies are people who are going to say people cost. Now, I think what might be interesting as this market develops is that we'll see organisations that actually struggle to hire people choose to spend that money investing in technology like a SOAR platform. Because I see a lot of organisations who seemingly can spend relatively large amounts of money on licensees, hardware, software, but the idea of putting a 40,000, 50,000 pound person on the payroll is much more difficult to get signed off. So actually I can see an environment whereby we see people starting to invest in technology where they potentially can't invest in people and they use that to start to scale out and build out their security automation,
1: security processes.
0: Okay. So um, do you have any real world examples of a uh, source solution benefiting an organization in any way?
1: So we have a number of use cases that um, we we consistently use across all of our customers. Probably the, the top one for, for Domisto and probably most source solutions out there is phishing. Um, in the very early days, we, we built an, an automated phishing playbook that is out of the box that a lot of our customers use quite extensively. And if you think about what what happens when a phishing attack is is investigated it's generally sent through to a help desk inbox that inbox is being managed by some some security analyst they have to then first of all enrich that they have to add context that context to that they have to understand who it's come from is it high priority is it low priority they'll need to check whether that phishing email is a is a singular Um, attack or whether it's elsewhere across the estate and they'll probably check threat fees they'll probably use edr type technologies or sandboxing type technologies in order to be able to investigate that thoroughly and that that takes time that's a number of different technology sets that the security analyst has to go to and has to use in order to be able to enrich and understand exactly what's happening within that investigation and then finally respond to it and close it out in the in the appropriate way a sort technology like Demisto can absolutely automate that entire process and we have one one organization um, because phishing is still probably the the most widely used attack um, when it comes to trying to um, to penetrate an organization because how simple it is. Um, we had one organization that was getting hundreds, if not thousands of phishing emails every week. Um, and if it takes, on average two hours to investigate phishing email, then you can do some very quick, simple maths to see how much time was being wasted by a security team on a simple task like phishing. Um, You put a demisto type or a saw type solution in there and suddenly you can automate that entire process. Um, So you're taking away that two hours per phishing email for the organization, for those security analysts to be able to go and do some other work. Um, so the ROI, the time saving is very, very simple to, to understand and to grasp. And as I mentioned, the, the response time to that, rather than having to do all those manual processes that take time, you can automate that entire thing and do it within four to five minutes. So you're actually responding to the attack in a lot more structured, a lot more um, quicker way, as well as making your team a lot more efficient.
0: So... We've had a look at what SOAR technology is, and we have a better understanding of that now, and also why organisations should consider SOAR. So if SOAR solutions are available now, what does the future hold, and how do you see that technology evolving?
2: As this is a relatively new and emerging area of technology, I think we've probably got a few years before it becomes embedded in a sort of standard part of most organizations' toolkits, Um, So I would say in the sort of short to medium term, that's really going to be the key development for SOAR. I expect to see it drop out of the enterprise market into sort of more of the mid-market and become a generally applied technology. I wouldn't be surprised if we can see most security vendors coming out with their own flavors of SOARs um, and people starting to use SOAR as a way to lock people or potentially encourage people to buy into a platform ecosystem. So, you know, lots of different vendors integrating their products together with SOAR-like technologies. I think when we're looking out to the, the sort of far future, I would expect to see things like AI and machine learning being used to detect anomalies and to classify different different data that is inputted into the system and allow the technologies to be more clever when taking certain pathways so the technology will become even more automated so it can run on its own without human interaction.
1: Yeah, I think what Soar's given us today is very much the platform to build from. Um, so As we mentioned, it is very widely used um, across security operation centers and within security teams, and it has all the use cases, the playbooks built in there. I think that gives us the platform to now start understanding how else it can be used. I mentioned that it could be used in in kind of a a non-security instance. So there'll be kind of non-security use cases and non-security operations teams that will start kind of embedding this type of technology into their into their working lives. But as we evolve as organizations, as we kind of go into to new paths of, of doing business, then what I'd expect to see immediately from a security point of view, but more from an operations point of view moving forward, is sort of underpinning all of that and allowing that automation of process to happen.
2: It's interesting, Matt, do you see that Obviously, that's great from a SOAR perspective, developing into other use cases. Do you think there is a risk for the SOAR industry that actually it may be consumed by robot, robotic process automation or other areas that are maybe ops tools today coming into the security ecosystem, so almost in reverse?
1: Absolutely. And, and as we see kind of that that industry grow and develop, then we'll, then we'll need to kind of understand on on how it kind of cross barriers, if you like. But there's always going to have to be um, some sort of, human decisions, some sort of human element that has to go into this. And those humans are going to have to work off some sort of platform that they trust, that they understand, that can give them the capability that they need. Whether it be robotics, whether it be other types of automation or AI that comes into the workplace, I still believe that you're going to have to have that platform that sits behind everything, that integrates things together in order for human beings to actually understand and see what's going off. Whether it still be fully automated, you still need visibility of that process and what's happening.
0: Follow-up question. Do you think there are or are there any alternative technologies available that provide similar solutions to SOAR? Fundamentally, SAW technologies is part of a group of
2: automation technologies. So, as Matt was saying before, there are lots of different parts of your infrastructure that you could choose to deliver this automation from. I think what makes SOAR different and what makes it stand out as a technology area is that it comes out of the box, ready programmed with security use cases. Whereas I think if you took another non security focus automation platform. You're going to have to put a lot more work into it to get it to look right, to get it to function in the same way your SOAR technology does, which means you've got a longer time before you start to realize the value of your investment, which means that you've potentially not got a tool that is designed and specifically built for security use cases. But the honest truth is, if you've got nothing today and you've got a bit of automation sitting in your service now, or you've got a bit of automation sitting in your Microsoft stack, you know, I would say to you, go and work out how you can use that because actually ignoring these technologies that you've got because they're not for security isn't worth it. Actually start getting some of that value, start getting some of those processes uh, automated and see the value of that. And that's really going to help you write the business case to buy a specific tool like a SAW tool that's going to increase the number of use cases that you can deliver.
0: Okay. And fast forward five to 10 years, is this just the start of uh, something much bigger or will SAW be the standard?
2: I think SOAR will be in everything. I kind of think everything will have an element of SOAR and it will be expected that the technology will integrate together. I think we're going through a market consolidation period. um, And I think if vendors of sort of uh, single solutions so single function solutions want to survive they're going to have to integrate with the rest of the ecosystem to stay alive i think platform vendors who provide the whole gamut of solutions are going to have to get their technologies to integrate to stay relevant and get customers to want to spend with just that single vendor so i really think soar is the glue that brings that all together so i can't see it going away um, but i do see it dropping out of the specialist and becoming more general
1: yeah. And I think to add to that as well, uh, automation's is obviously going to be increasing year over year. Over the next five to 10 years, who knows where, where it's going to go with automation. Source specifically, we're seeing a huge adoption rate within the the security teams of, of end users. Once they are trialing and testing and understanding the technology much more, um, we're seeing that people are investing and wanting this platform within their infrastructure as quickly as possible. And I think organizations like Gartner absolutely back this up by by stating that in two to three years time, north of 20% of organizations could have saw that is generally still a, a, a new type of technology. So that probably gives you an idea of the op- adoption rate that we're seeing in the short term. But, but yeah, from a long term perspective, automation is going to be everywhere. We're seeing it in all walks of life.
0: Cool. Well, that is about it for uh, the episode actually um so adam before we go uh 10 second summary what's sore why is it important and what's the future
2: So, SOAR is Security Orchestration Automation and Response. It's the technology that allows you to take lots of disparate security tools, plug them all together to deliver a single security outcome. It allows your analysts to work on high value activities rather than low value repetitive tasks. And it's what's gonna enable you to focus on the stuff that really matters and retain your staff doing the interesting pieces. Um, And the future for this technology is it's only going to get more integrated. We're gonna see more products um, being poured into the SOAR uh, ecosystem. And we're going to see the playbooks and the different functions that the SAW technology provides get more intelligent and make better decisions without humans.
0: Perfect. Well, that is it for this episode of Explain It. Adam, Matt, it's been great talking with you. Thank you very much for your time. If anything in this show has piqued your interest and you'd like to talk about it more with someone at Softcat, do get in touch, podcast at softcat.com. And please do check out the rest of our shows. You can subscribe to our podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you very much for listening to Explain It from Softcat.